Good morning, Calvary. How are you? <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, sounds like a couple of you guys are okay. Uh, <clears throat> maybe we should start with prayer for the rest of us. Um, I hope that you're doing well. It's been a, a fun week here. Calvary is always a busy place and there's so much happening in the life of our church. And uh, I hope that you're doing well. We, we said goodbye to some of our winter Texans this morning. You know, every year we have this influx of winter Texans throughout the winter. And I think this week they saw that it was going to get to 103 on Tuesday and they decided this is the time to get out of here. Um, so it's been a crazy week. Have you guys been watching the news this week? Maybe you've seen some of the weather uh, that's been across the country. There's been a lot of fires kind of everywhere. <clears throat> Gatlinburg, Tennessee had homes that were lost and, and there was fires in California and Colorado. And, and I don't know if you guys know, but there were fires here locally as well. There was a couple of really big fires up by Kingsville and, uh, and by uh, Falfurrias. In fact, I've got a couple of pictures. My, my wife sent me this picture, it was on Facebook. Look at the flames, that was in Falfurrias, 20,000 acres burned up there. And, uh, and then this next picture is a picture of uh, Kingsville. Those are flames behind that house there, just big, big, big fires up by Kingsville. And, uh, and so it's been a crazy, crazy week watching. We, we felt the, the, the high winds and the heat here, but I didn't hear of any fires locally apart from uh, a building fire. One of our, our church members uh, had a building burned down <clears throat> in, uh, out by Hidalgo, I believe, or far. Um, have you ever been a part or been interacted with a wildfire? Have you ever personally experienced one? Raise your hand if you have. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit terrifying. Uh, I'd like to say that I've only started one fire in my life, but I probably have started more than that. But one stands out in my mind. When we were kids, uh, our neighbor had thrown a mattress into their backyard and it was close to ours. And uh, we were throwing fireworks, firecrackers. I know nobody ever played with firecrackers as a kid. That's totally not normal these days. Um, when I was a kid, it was a little bit normal. And uh, so I threw a firecracker onto this mattress and uh, what do you think happened? Well, the firecracker blew up and a few minutes later it turned into a small fire. When that happens, no matter who you are, whether you're young or old, you have to make a decision. <clears throat> and there's a couple different options you have. One is you try to put the fire out. Has anyone ever done that? And how do you do it? You pour anything close to, maybe if it's really small, like an ember, you can just stomp on it and it's fine. Or maybe you go and try to find the closest water. Maybe it's a bucket of water or a glass of water, or if you have a water bottle, whatever. Um, but depending on the size of the fire, that response may not be enough, right? Think through it through with me. So when we were kids, I threw this thing, it blew up, the, the, the mattress caught on fire, and then just a few minutes later, it went from the mattress into the dry grass. Okay, so at that point, I'm a little kid, I don't know, probably seven years old, like most little kids that play with firecrackers, and uh, maybe a little young, maybe my dad should get in trouble for that, but uh, the fire got into the grass, and then as a little kid, what are you going to do? Earlier, I said, you had two options. Someone said, run away. And I thought, well, that's option number three. <laughs> well, you either try to put it out or... What's that? Why would you scream? Yeah, you go get help, right? You go get help. It's the, it's the easiest and probably most effective response to a fire that's bigger than you can handle. I mean, you could call the fire department. They like to come help in those kind of situations, right? Um, I, I remember a, a story where they, they talked about a, a, before there were fire departments, if a house would catch on fire, the people would, would, would ring a bell and everyone would come running, right? The fire department had a bell on it. It wasn't to tell traffic, get out of the way, like our fire trucks today. It was to say, hey, we need help. And everyone would come running and everyone together would try to put the fire out. 
is a very simple illustration for what we're talking about today. We're talking about the go. We're talking about how to go to the world and take the gospel with us. And I want to tell you, a few weeks ago, I preached on community. We talked about the need that, that we have to, to care for each other and love one another. And that by doing so, all of us can be better at following Jesus. And the world can see through our example of loving one another what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But today, as we start talking about the how of going, uh, it's, it's a very similar thing. You cannot go alone. We as a body of believers are called to go together. And so I want to say right here at the beginning, and we're going to reference it throughout our sermon, that it's going to take the whole church to reach the whole world. The, the gospel, the, the great commission is given to us to be, uh, to make disciples of all the nations. And nobody can do that by themselves. And really, no small church, little church, church like ours in a, in a community, we can't do that alone. No denomination is big enough to do it by themselves. We have to see the whole body of Christ working together to see the great commission accomplished. In a micro way, the same thing has to happen here. For us to reach this community, McAllen, Edinburgh Mission, we have to have the body of Christ that we call Calvary working together. Everyone has a role. If you try to put that fire out with a bottle of water, it's just not enough. It doesn't make enough change. It doesn't stop the problem. It doesn't drive out the darkness. And so this morning, I want to start by reading you a verse. It's in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 14 through 16. And it says this, As you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Have you guys ever been in a dark room? Have you ever been in a, a dark room where it's pitch black and you can't see your hand in front of your face? Have you been in that room when someone strikes a match? You've got one little tiny flame. How easy is it to see the flame in the middle of all that darkness? It's real easy, right? But if you look away from the flame... Everything is very dark still, right? So if you're close to it, you can see the things around you. But if you're far from it, you can see it, but you can't see much else. But if you take that flame and turn it into a large fire, you can, it can illuminate everything in the room. Everything is now unhidden. The darkness flees from the light. Even the shadows that might be in place get smaller and smaller the brighter the light is. Have you seen that? You experience, like, this should be really clear. Everyone's seen this happening. You know exactly what this looks like. So the, the verse continues in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that, you may, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What a beautiful picture of what it means to be a faithful follower of God, that the light that lives in us can illuminate the darkness in the places around us. That the light of Christ in us will, will chase away the darkness in the people's lives that live close to us, that live around us. I want to start by saying, let your light shine before all men. Now, there's a couple of different pieces of this. Some people immediately, when we talk about going, they immediately jump to evangelism. We talk to the words that we use to communicate the gospel, and those are important. But there's something even more foundational than your words that start the whole process. And that is your life, your lifestyle, the way that you act, the, way, the, the words that you use when you live without opening your mouth. It says a whole lot more to people about what you believe than the things that you say. Now here's, here's the idea. 
if you're a faithful follower of Jesus and you go out and you open your mouth to share the gospel, we're going to be like, yeah, man, we're so happy for you. Do, go and do that more. But if you're not abiding deeply in Jesus on a daily basis, if you're not close to him, then your life might say something else and then you're undoing the very work you're trying to do. If, if your character doesn't represent the love you have for Christ, then people aren't going to believe your words when you tell them about Christ. Does that make sense? Now, just so we're clear, I have a story I want to tell, but I, I, I said this in first service and I wish that I'd taken a moment. It doesn't mean you have to live perfect. Really, you, you can't be good enough to be Jesus yourself, right? People are afraid to let people see their life because they're afraid they're going to see their mistakes. And that's part of it. You actually need to let them see all of you. The good, the bad, the ugly, because as they see all of it, they see how God works inside of a person who's loving Jesus, even though they're flawed. And guess what we all have in common? <laughs> Flaws. We all have that in common. When you see how the Lord loves Chad in the midst of Chad's brokenness, you think, wow, maybe God can love me too. Paul says that I'm the chief of sinners and yet the grace of God delivers him in such a way that it makes him one of the best examples of Christianity that we look back to. The guy was a part of killing Christians before he was a believer and yet we look to Paul as one of the greatest examples of Christian faith in history. You're not a great example because you live perfectly. You're a great example because you surrender your life to him with all of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be faithful to Christ and he'll, he'll give you the foundation that when you speak the words that come out of your mouth, it's going to mean something to those around you. I have a, an example. It's a friend of mine. He's a missionary and uh, he's a good guy. I'm not going to tell you his name or where he's working, but uh, uh, he and his family left uh, their home. They moved to another country and, uh, and they started serving. Well, after a little while I was going and visiting and I, I was talking to some of the people he's serving with and they started telling me that they don't think that he is a very good believer. I said, why? He's done all, he's raised funds, he's living there, he's serving. And they started to say, well, the way that he talks to his wife and the way that he talks to his kids tell us that he's like very controlling. And, and they said, in our culture, we have this problem that, that a lot of the men are very controlling in their family. So when they come to faith, one of the first things we start trying to disciple men to do in their behavior is to be kind to their wife and, and kids and, and be a part of some of the household issues. Well, this guy has been bold enough around these believers that they can see that he's not very uh, kind. He's, he's kind of domineering and controlling to his family. And, uh, and in doing so, it, it really hurts his testimony to the other believers there. And, and I found it very interesting. I, I've had several conversations with him and he says, yeah, it's a problem I have, but it's actually a big problem because it diminishes the witness of Christ through him to the community that he has gone to serve. We have to be people that begin to let the world see us. Now, I think it'd be interesting if he was to, to kind of boldly tell the church around him that this is one of his struggles and ask them to keep, account, keep, keep him accountable. They might have a little more grace for him and, and he might have, but he's, I feel like a little bit more traditional. He feels like he has to act like he's got it all together. And so he almost tries to hide his deficiency from them and they see it anyway. Then it feels, I mean, you get what I'm talking about. Like you can feel the tension already, right? You feel it doesn't work. If I'm looking to you for spiritual support and I see your life is a mess, it's kind of hard, especially if I feel like you're trying to hide it, right? And you're trying to avoid it and you try to act like it's not really there when everyone can see it. Listen, this is very simple. The, the gospel compels us to be faithfully following Jesus in the little ways. 
And it speaks volumes to the world around us about what we believe. So some things, if you're a believer, you've been a believer for a while, you've heard people say, have a daily time with the Lord. A daily time when you seek him in prayer, where you seek him in his word, where you try to, to, to learn about what his expectations are in your life. Ha, be in a community group where you have that kind of accountability, where someone can say, hey, I love you so much, my friend. And here's some areas I think you gotta work on. Maybe you don't see these. There's some of you in this room, we've had conversations like that. And some of you have told me, Chad, I'd really like it if you'd get a little better at these things. It's a little, never easy to hear, but it's always good. Especially when I know the people telling me that love me and they're speaking those things because they want to help me. We have to be people that are faithful in the little things or else all that we say won't matter. The way we do that is to seek him daily, seek him in small ways. We do that by building and having strong community with others around us. And then we do that by loving one another. The, the Bible tells us that if we love one another, the world will see our love for each other and it will testify of God's love for them. People want to be a part of a community that loves each other. So here, here's just a bit, make it really simple. Don't be a grouch. You know, like Christians who are angry about everything, don't be one of those people because it literally flies in the face of the gospel. If you're having a tough time, I get it. Everyone has that. But don't, don't make it everyone's problem. Be nice. Be kind. Be loving to your spouse. Be kind to your kids. Be graceful to people who make mistakes. That's the fruit of the gospel. And we can talk about the extremes, examples, like people who go through really intense suffering and we see God at work in their life. It means so much to us. Uh, we have a te- I have a testimony today of someone that's with us that has gone through a very difficult time over the last several months. And, uh, and I, it's gonna make me cry to even talk about it. But uh, right over here on this side, we have Ron Corbett <clears throat> and Lupita Corbett. And you may know that Ron suffered a stroke uh, uh, at the end of, of last year. I think it was all the way back in August. And, uh, and it's been a very slow, long recovery that's had a lot of ups and downs. And if you, if you talk to Ron Lupita, they can tell you the difficulties that, that, that they endured. But I can tell you, as someone that's walked through this process with them, they have been faithful. They've been faithful. Lupita has just been praying and giving and worshiping. And Ron, brother, I'm so thankful to see you here today. It's a miracle to me to have you with us. I'm so thankful that you're here. Welcome back. We've missed you. We'll keep going. It's things like that that testify to the greatness of God in people's lives. And it speaks to the world around us. It says something before you've even opened your mouth. But beyond that, we do have a task. We have a task to be people who share the gospel with the lost, that love people who are hurting, that love people who are in darkness. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. It's going to take the whole church to reach our community. We need every single one of you. And I don't need you to all be the Billy Grahams. I don't need you to all be Luis Palau's. I don't need all of you to be the guys that are going to stand up here on the stage and make an amazing proclamation of the gospel like Peter did at Pentecost. I need you to be faithfully following Jesus and loving him in ordinary ways every single day. Last week, Pastor Julio interviewed me. I broke the chair. It was a lot of fun for all of you. If you were here last week, it was good times. <laughs> Why are you clapping? <laughs> Someone's clapping. He broke a chair. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where I was going to go from there. Julio, the chair totally distracted me. 
No, we were talking about the difference between ordinary and extraordinary evangelism. And we have this whole effort. So many times people, when they think about evangelism, they think of extraordinary examples. They think of the Billy Grahams, right? Where someone can gather a huge crowd and give a powerful proclamation of the gospel and thousands can come to the Lord. And those are beautiful moments. They're beautiful pictures, but they're not ordinary examples. Do you realize the effort that goes into an event like that? The planning, the resources, the, the organization, and even the organization of just following up with the thousands that respond. There's so much that goes into it. But what we're talking about is every believer has a responsibility to serve their oikos. We've used that word a lot at Calvary. It's the Greek word for household. And it's the word that Cornelius used in, in Acts where we're talking about that he gathered all of his family, friends, co-workers, probably his employees, anyone that served in his house, and then Peter spoke to them, right? It's this idea that you have an oikos. It's a natural relationship. So it's a relational network, network that, that, that revolves around you. You see them regularly. That is your ordinary mission field. And it's going to take all of us engaging that mission field. Um, it's going to take the whole church. Um, think about the, 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 the issues here in the valley. The valley is 1.2 million people, roughly, between Brownsville and Rio Grande City. This is going to talk north of the border. Out of that, roughly 4.5% are evangelical Christians. That's 58,000, 54,000, um, uh, if, if, when you do the math. We were praying back in 2018, we were praying for what we called the 2020 vision, that we would see the number of believers in the valley double by 2020. Now, it hasn't happened. We've moved the goal. That's like 2025 now. We're going for 2025. But to double the believers, it's going to take the whole body of Christ actively involved in every corner of our community. It can't happen by bringing everyone in this room. Do you know that? And even if we want them all to come, look around. They're not all coming. <laughs> but the ones that are here is enough. The ones that God has given us, you, is enough. I would say that God has you here because he has a purpose for you when you leave this place. And that purpose is so much bigger than just being a nice person. It's, it, it's moving that gospel outwards. Take responsibility for the ordinary opportunities God gives you day in and day out. You can't hire enough pastors. You can't call enough missionaries to do the work. The task of our church leadership is actually to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Our goal as pastors here is to give you the tools to be faithful wherever God sends you. To give you the tools to be able to, to, to do the little things that God calls you to do each and every day. And if you don't have those tools, come and talk to us. It's our single biggest mission is to give you everything you need to faithfully pursue God wherever he would send you. The work is so much bigger than we can do alone. You know that I, I get to travel so, every so often. I get to go uh, around the world and, and uh, it's, it's such a blessing. I was in India a few years ago and I was talking to some international mission board missionaries and I was asking them, what is the way that I can pray for you? What do you guys really need? And this is a pretty common question. I ask it all the time. And, uh, and he, they specifically said, our biggest single need is man hours. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, we have so much more work than we can do on our own. And I hear that everywhere I go. And if I'm really honest, it's something we talk about on our staff here all the time. The work to serve the believers at Calvary and the needs of our community are far bigger than what our staff can possibly do well. And sometimes you tell us about it. Sometimes you tell us the ways that we mess up and, and we need that. 
But we desperately need more people engaged in the work of the gospel. It's part of the mission God has given each one of us, the commission, great commission. It's, it's, the, it's the commission because it's to the community. It's the mission because it's collaborative. It's the commission because it's a way that we collaborate and work together to see the mission accomplished. The verse Luke 10, 2 is such a reminder to me. It says, it says, he told them, Jesus speaking, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There is a work that is so much bigger than what we can accomplish without you. But together we can do amazing things. So what are the ways? How do we do that? Uh, my, my last point is here is to increase your capacity to shine. We talked about that dark room with a single match and, uh, and how dark the room remains, even though the match is very obvious. But the larger the fire gets, the less darkness is in the room, right? The more you can see the corners, the more you can see the shadows, the more that you can see into places that, that you couldn't see before. And that really is this idea of how do we increase the lumens? How do we increase the intensity of the fire that God has given us? How do we increase the intensity of the light that we share together? And the really simple thing is you put a lot of lights together. Have any of you bought a flashlight recently? Like they're like, it used to be, you know, um, lumens, right? So you might get 10, 20, 30 lumens. Now they're like 10,000 lumens. It can burn your eyes out from half across the room, right? These things are so bright that you can shine a, 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 a flashlight across a field and see the trees on the back of the field. Anybody seen that? Okay. Well, here's the thing. How do we increase our capacity to shine? Well, we've already talked about a few. Be faithful. Be faithful daily in the little ways. Be committed to each other. Be in community where, you're, where you are known and know others. You might think of John 13, 35 that says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. There's several different habits of a, of a I would say, a, a highly effective believer and we've already talked about a couple, right? But there's, there's the, the pray, give, go, welcome, send. And then let's talk about a few of those. What are, how, how can you do that? Some people think that they either going to go and share or they're going to do these other things. They're going to send. They're going to give. They're going to pray. They're gonna, but really, it's all something you can do together. It's something we can do at the same time. You can give and go right? You can give and share. You can pray, give, and go. You can do these things at the same time. In fact, it's part of what a healthy disciple does regularly. One of the things that we've been praying about at Calvary is, is how do we continually send well? Calvary is an incredible church, and, and uh, Calvary has given more than 20% of its budget to, to missions and towards missions for the entire time I've been here. Uh, I've been here for nine years. And uh, part of that pays for the missions uh, pastor. You guys are a church that gives to, to pay for me to be here. And it, I'm so thankful for that. But it really is unique. There's not a lot of churches in the valley that have missions pastors. It's not a priority in the staff for many churches around the country. But Calvary makes it a priority. We give 14.5% just goes directly to outside organizations. And it really is incredible. You can, you can look at that, all the different statistics, where we're sending funds. But it's still is not enough. The need is so much bigger than what we have. In the last few years, it's, it's, as our budget has decreased, our, our, our 
careful design of where these funds are going to go has gotten more and more limited, and, uh, and it's been more and more strategic. So this year, we're launching what we're calling the Global Missions Offering. And uh, you've probably heard about it. We've been praying about it for the last 40 days. We've, we've posted it in a number of places in the, in the e-news the last several weeks. And, uh, and our missions committee back in January asked uh, the search committee and, and, and the leadership to consider this global missions offering. We're asking, we put a goal of $55,000. And that $55,000 can be split into two places. 60% will go to Calvary Missions, and I'll explain what that's for. And 40% will go to our partners, our, our global missions partners. And, uh, and so just to give you a little bit of a breakdown, the, the 60% that will go to Calvary Missions, which is $33,000, is going to be split between our, our summer mission streams. Every single year, we have a number of our members that get to go and serve overseas. And uh, they're always asking for funding. They're asking for, for uh, support from Calvary. And, and we are generous. We're one of the few places. We have BSM students that don't go to Calvary that ask us to support their mission because their church doesn't support missions like this. And so Calvary Missions has been very generous over the years. And we continue to, to give and, and we continue to find ways to give. But this year we have a team that's going to go to Georgia. Uh, we have a team that's going to Chiapas. We had a team just two weeks ago that went to Beach Reach. We had a team that went to Zacatecas and Guanajuato. We have a team going this coming week to Mexico City. And all of those teams are asking for support and for funding. And honestly, it's really difficult to get those funds together. We used to have a bunch of, 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 of uh, fundraisers that were happening throughout the year. You've probably um, seen those. We've done a, a missions garage sale in the past. We've, we've done uh, Filipino food plates for some of our Philippine trips. We've done lots of those. And we said this year, let's, let's see if we can condense all of those fundraisers into one big fundraiser. Let's give funds for these mission trips. And then on top of that, we can go ahead and add in the funds that we normally raise towards the end of the year for IMB and Lottie Moon and uh, that's the same one, Andy Armstrong and, and some of these others. And so the other 40% of what we're going to raise is going to go to help uh, send relief. We're going to send funds to NAM and to IMB to send relief for Ukraine. And then we're also going to send funds from the Baptist World Alliance has a Ukraine option as well. So we're going to give some funds to help through that organization as well. Then we're going to raise funds for the Mary Hill Davis offering, which is a, a ba Texas Baptist offering that helps provide for missions needs within Texas. And it's been a, a, an organization that has helped us, even Calvary here, pretty often in the past. And then the last one is the, the World Hunger offering, another Texas Baptist offering that helps with people who are who are struggling uh, in poverty and, and have scarce food options. And so all of those things are going to be uh, part of that offering. And we're asking you to pray about giving towards it. Next Sunday, Palm Sunday, is going to be the Sunday that we've, we've, we've set aside for that offering. And so we ask you to pray this week. Uh, you can give to it anytime. But this is going to be one of those ways in which you can be a part of going even if you can't go. And so look for these opportunities that we as a church can do so much more together than we can do on our own. We're going to do a little exercise here. We've talked about it several times. I've described it a few times. But we're going to turn all the lights off, so don't get nervous. We have some lights that aren't going to go off, so we'll go ahead and turn them all down. And, um, and uh, if, you, if we were able to shut out all the light in here and it was really dark, it would be really, uh, really fun because you'd be like, wow, it gets really dark in here. But even with the light that's there, can you see this? Is there anyone in here that can't see it? <laughs> even with the light that's in here, this isn't insane, insanely bright, but it's bright, isn't it? No, no one's missing it. So if you have your phone and you know how to turn on the flashlight part of it, go ahead and turn it on and go ahead and hold it up like this. 
A couple of you have phones. No, the rest of you are just catching up. It's okay. Come on. Go ahead. If you got phones, there's some in the balcony. There's some here in the bottom. Hey, wow. Look at that. Look at that. There's, there's a lot of brightness. Go ahead and turn them around a little bit because they're all pointed at me right now and it's a little intense. Now, obviously, if the room was really dark, this would be really bright. But even with the, with the brightness that's there, it's significant, isn't it? And if I'm holding this out here, can you see my face? Not particularly well, but if I turn it around, you can see my face a lot more, right? When you turn those lights around, I'm looking at you and I can see the people around you. When it's on you, I can see you. And the difference is just astounding. All right, we can turn the lights back on. Think about this verse. In the same way, let your light shine before all men. Let your light shine before all men so that they may see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, we have an incredible opportunity to love God with all that we are and to seek him as we, as we love him in the little ways, as we love him together, as we pursue his global mission, the nations will know. The nations will know. We're gonna pray, and I just wanna encourage you to do a couple things. One is the worship team comes back up on the stage. We're gonna get ready just to worship. And, and I wanna ask you to do a couple things. One, ask the Lord to burden your hearts for how you respond to today's sermon. We've been encouraging you to pray for five lost people every Sunday for the last several weeks. Keep praying for them, but maybe now ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to share the love of God with them in a very real and obvious way. Speak the gospel this time to them. Pray for them, but look for an opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with them. And if you don't know how, then come and tell me. In, in a few minutes, I can teach you how to give a one-minute testimony. I can teach you how to do the three circles in just a few minutes. If that's not enough and you want to learn how to make disciples, then come on. We can do a training where we teach you in a few weeks how you can lead a Bible study in your house that will lead lost people to faith. Don't miss out on finding ways to, to be a part with what God's doing. The second thing is we've asked you to share. If you need that equipping, come and tell me. And then la lastly, like I said, will you consider sending? Be a part of sending those who have the ability to go and share. Be a part of sending them by using your talents, your, your opportunities, and your resources to share the love of God and to share with this community of faith. We have everything we need to accomplish the mission that God has given us. We are not lacking anything. The only question is whether each one of us will take our part We'll step into the role that God's given us. If you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, then start businesses for the glory of God. If you're a lawyer or a doctor, then serve God with all the best skills that you can possibly do. If you're a trash guy, then you carry garbage the best way that you possibly can because in doing so, as you do it unto the Lord, the world sees your faithful service, regardless of what it is, and sees your faithfulness. Be faithful and point others to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we are so thankful. We're so thankful that you've called us to be your people. We're thank you that, so thankful that you've given us more than we need, Father, that we can love you with uh, the excess you put in our lives. God, our energy, our time, our effort, 
our talents, our abilities, our resources, our finances. God, you've called us to spend all of it on your behalf and for your kingdom. We pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts on how to respond. If there's people here today, Father, that have never surrendered their life to you, I pray, God, that they would today and that they would find the hope that comes in loving you with everything that they are. I pray that you would help us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that, God, we would hold nothing back. That, God, any corner of our lives, God, that your light would fill it, that there be no shadows and no darkness, no place that we withhold from you. Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified in this space and in this place and with this people. We love you in Jesus' name.